this is shaken and disturbed. I am California Darren Carp here with Marilyn John Thrasher in his send out room, which he had promised before he even speaks. I know. Say, no, don't even say oh. it. He had promised me a background of my own to which Ooh. the back the background is still just my your your actual background bedroom attempting to unpack my life as I've moved 3,000 miles away from the home that I've known and loved yeah. for my entire life. More on that on feeling, NMR. I'm, I'm not feeling better about it. Yeah. Oh, More oh. on that on NMR. Um, but John, how you doing this week? <laughs> I'm great. Yeah. Thank you. I am sorry. I couldn't get you a background. I will have one by next week. I'll make sure it's a priority. I think, thank you. do you want me, you know, for those who aren't watching on our sussy radish feed on Patreon, my background is again a virtual living room with our shaken and disturbed art, it's so good. It's our so logo, good. and three photos Wait, of magic. I want to show you this, and I'm going to show the audience this. So my mom okay. sent me and my brother a text this morning. So <laughs> I grew up with two cats. I grew up with several cats. My first yeah. cat name was Dagny, but but um, oh. my two cats that like I really grew up with were named um, Skeezix and Calliope. And Calliope was like. She died too young. She had, she had feline leukemia and she, she died when she was 11, but she was just this beautiful Maine Coon. My mom sent this picture this morning <gasps> of Calliope in my brother's guitar case. Oh, that Can is so Cavell cute. At this? You guys, if you don't is. have, if you don't have sussy radish tier on Patreon, you're going to want to get it. A chunk, chunk. My mom was like, well, we, now we know Calliope was guitar sized. And I was like, she was perfectly guitar so. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, so good. well, very cute. And um, Darren, mm-hmm. I will get you a background for next week in a different room because in our virtual headquarters, you're in a different room recording. Technically, we want to say that's you true. Know, virtually, that, that's... I think in person we would be in the same room, but virtually, it's before different. we get to this week's case. And yeah. you know, just want you guys to know that it is a little bit gory, gorier it's than I think tough. in the details yeah. than than most cases we do. Um, before we kind of jump into the severity of it. We're recording this on a Monday. The United States plays Women's World Cup tonight at uh, midnight. Yes. So technically Tuesday at midnight, at least my time, Pacific yeah. time. So 3 a.m., I guess, uh, on the East Coast. And so I'm sure a lot of you will miss it. But I'm really hoping that next week, next week I have good news because we've been watching all the games. And, like, I used to I grew up playing soccer. So, like, I just got to say, go yeah. U.S. women's okay. team. Very, very right. important for me yeah. um, to get that off. And then – the only other thing I'm blanking on what I wanted to say. Just but how much you love. It was just how much you love me and how handsome I, I look you. today and things like you that. You look good. Yeah, you look good. You I look hope you're good. Watching. That's it. We're gonna have an update. We just recorded <clears throat> an NMR, which was for Patreon only, where I yeah. convinced John um, to watch Big Brother. Oh. We're gonna see if John pays attention to me as his longtime uh, best friend, what uh. he's been recording with for literally ten years. But it's cool. If you don't, we all expect you not to. As you'll hear in the NMR episode that's on Patreon, I'm busy watching congressional testimony. I don't have time for Big Brother. Let that's me say true. this. Definitely it's an HMR. Uh, HMR. Uh, <laughs> NMR. NMR. The other thing I wanted to point oh. out is, John, do you have a little mea culpa that you want to mention from last week's episode with your mic? Mr. Technology? Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Mr. Tech? Probably. Yeah, Mr. Tech over here. I don't know who. I never asked to be Mr. Tech. On last week's episode, I was editing and I noticed that my audio sounded a little bit different. Well, the reason for that, everybody, is because finally dropped is that my microphone (laughs) was plugged into uh, a nothing port on the back of my my monitor. (laughs) 
And I have no idea how that happened. Um, so up, everything's I'll tell updated. You how it happened. Someone <laughs> yeah. plugged it in somewhere, and it wasn't well, magic. As you heard on NMR, I had to move some things around uh, in my office and stuff. So that's probably what happened there. But nonetheless, Obviously. we're back to normal. Last thing I want to mention before we get into this week's very disturbing episode. My hat, I'm wearing a hat today. This is one of the first times we've done, I've done a hat during the recording. I didn't have time to like, literally, I'm not exaggerating, Usually when brush you get a haircut and do my hair. Or when you don't do your hair. So like, yeah, that's those, what's happening. those are your hat days. What exactly. is on the hat? The hat includes another like little, little cute little tiger, uh, oh. tiger cat with headphones on. Here, let me bring Yeah, it really can you close. just take it out? Oh. Look how cute that I is. I mean, you have become... <laughs> A cat dad. Well, let me tell you where this is from cat because mom, you're, you're going to laugh. Last year at Podcast Movement, which is a very big conference for podcasters and professionals that are podcasters, such as ourselves, um, it was in Dallas. If you remember me talking about it, I walked up to this booth and I was like, I have to have this little cat swag, this little cat on my hat situation because it's wearing Obviously. headphones. And guess where it's from? None other. Then Patreon. Patreon. So shout out to our friends at Patreon. Not just you guys listening that uh, that uh, subscribe to Patreon, but our friends at Patreon were giving away this free swag. It's one of my favorite hats. It fits really nicely. It has a cute little cat with headphones. What more can you ask for? You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, all that aside, now that we have some housekeeping aside, let's Let's get get into into this this week's case. Yeah, this week. And by the way. If you don't like gore, you might want to pause this episode because it's pretty tough uh, eventually. Yeah, we'll do our best to navigate through it. That's right. That's right. So Lacey Ellen Fletcher was born in 1985 to her parents, Clay and Sheila Fletcher. The family lived in the small town of, and Darren noted this before we even started, Slaughter, Louisiana. That's right, everybody. Slaughter. Where Sheila, imagine it's called Slafter. Could you imagine? You know, it's so funny. I was just thinking that because Nadine and I were talking about, because when we were watching the World Cup, you know, one of the, I think it's South Korea coaches, I think is like British. And I was like, oh, I'm sure he speaks Korean. And Nadine's like, a lot of these coaches don't actually speak the language of their teams. You know, drills are drills. She's like, drills are drills. And they kind of understand sports. And I was like, but how do the referees talk to someone? Like, oh, you're this, that, and the other thing. And she was just talking about, she's like, I feel like most people abroad, like, English is usually their second language because they want to learn it. And I was like, it's actually the hardest language to learn. And she's like, really? And I said, yeah, you know, we have a lot of silent letters. We have this, you know, we have words that are that are the same word, but read differently, you know, like read and read, you know, like spelled yeah. the same, but you yep. just kind of have to know. And slaughter, when you're looking at it, it's like slaughter daughter, but like then it's laughter without, right. you know. So I was like, this is kind of a perfect example of how like, yeah, it is. doesn't really have a lot of rules. Yeah, you know? like, totally. So it's just interesting you said that anyway. Just to add to that too, when I taught English in Italy for a couple of summers, everyone was like, oh, you know, a lot of Italian. I was like, actually, I don't. It was an English immersive situation where we were only meant to speak English to not just the children we were teaching, but their parents. So, you know, and I talk more Spanish. You know, you, you live right. You live anywhere for a good period of time. <clears throat> if I spent six months in France, I'm sure I could there you go. Get, a, get a little bit of it. But yeah, it's just interesting with English. The only thing I remember how to say when I was in Italy was sono estudiante americano, which is I'm just an American student. Nothing I'm to see here. Me. Not just, just, yeah, leave me alone. You don't need a penis with brake pads, people. Yes. Give me some, some <laughs> give me some penne. And I'm an yeah. American student. That's all and I can some tell. some sauce. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Some sauce. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, small town of Slaughter, Louisiana, where Sheila worked as a clerk. 
Spending time working for the police department as well as the judicial system as an assistant to the city prosecutor. Lots of S sounds in there that were really hard for me to get out, but I somehow made it through. Sheila served on the board of several uh, boards, actually, regarding local politics, such as the board of Alderman. Clay worked for a small nonprofit called the Baton Rouge Civil War Roundtable, which is dedicated to preserving history and educating the public about the Civil War. Okay, but is Louisiana, are we doing the right thing down uh, yeah, there in I Louisiana? I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, but to, are we saying the South one? And this is just yeah. us with our Northern yeah, Yankee yeah, privilege yeah, here. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'd like to know. do an audit of that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, he also worked on the planning and zoning committee for the town of Slaughter. Sheila and Clay were both well-known and respected pillars of the community and were described by neighbors as friendly and devoutly religious. In her early childhood, Lacey was described as a very outgoing girl and very social. She played on the volleyball team and had strong communication skills, according to those who knew her then. And as a child, Lacey was diagnosed with Asperger's, as well as social anxiety Mm. and severe autism spectrum disorder, all of which seemed to become more pronounced around the age of 14 when Lacey became nonverbal, ceasing almost Mm. all vocal communication with anyone. Her you know, social- I think women tend to get diagnosed later because I think there are, I, I could be completely wrong about this and I should have researched it, but I think women tend to get, girls tend to get diagnosed later about being on the spectrum in any sort of way. Hmm. Um, just, I think at the way that it manifests and certain behaviors that are kind of coming out to it. So yeah, uh, interesting because age of 14 almost, I mean, granted, this was a different, a, a slightly different, you know, this was 30, 40 years ago, right. but just interesting that kind of at age 14 is when it kind of came out. Yeah, you think about like, you know, puberty and hormones and what's going on right. with the human body at that point. A lot of different social and uh, behavioral right. and I think type doctors of things. Come... were just like, it's just a woman being a woman. You Especially know? at that moments. time. And you're yeah. like, yeah. But yeah, me. exactly. Well, her social ex- anxiety also began causing her a lot of stress as she found it increasingly harder to leave the mm. house each day, which, you know, like That's you were just hard. saying, Darren, in the 90s or early 2000s, when some of this was sort of coming, you know, coming to play, you know, there wasn't as much awareness about even Asperger's and and autism at that time. You know, it feels like mental health and these types of behavioral disorders really have at least in my opinion, I mean, this is, this couldn't be, this might not be true, but in my opinion, in my perspective, you know, I feel like I've learned so much more about this in the last 10 years than I ever had. Absolutely. And I think the people are kind of saying like, oh, more people are kind of diagnosed of being on the spectrum. And it's like, yeah, because Mm -hmm. our knowledge has gotten greater and the qualifications have widened. So more people are considered now on the spectrum than there ever used to be because the qualifications have changed, not necessarily because there's more. All of a sudden, there's like this epidemic of having Asperger's, you know, it's like our definition of what it means has kind of changed. I mean, even homosexuality. I was just going to say that. Was in the DSM up until you know, in the history, like 10 recent, years ago yeah, or something recently. Yeah. So just think about how things are uh, deemed at certain periods of time is always kind of important for when we're talking about these things. And totally. Lacey had attended Brownfields Baptist Academy up until ninth grade, which sounds like my most terrifying academy. Uh, when her parents made the decision to homeschool her, she was approximately 16 oh, at the time. And any sightings of Lacey after this age were extremely rare as she began living a much more isolated life under the care of her parents. And I imagine there can be a good thing about homeschooling someone who has Asperger's or social anxiety, but this also might cause more isolation and cause you deeper and deeper to go into this spiral of, you know, social anxiety. 
Yeah. And I, I'm just going to say this because this is my experience. I'm not saying it's everyone's experience, but I don't know a lot of people who were homeschooled that come out of that with really great communication and behavioral social skills. I mean, yeah. if you are homeschooled and you're listening to this episode and you think that you've, you know, you've seen some success stories, please do let us know. But in my experience in Maryland and beyond, you know, New York City, blah, 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 like, I don't hear a lot of good stories. So when you compound that with these disorders that she's suffering with, it just sounds like a really terrible recipe, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. you know, so exciting of her were kind of extremely rare after she goes into homeschooling. But until January 3rd, 2022 is now how we're talking about it, which is a year and a half ago. Essentially, yep. at about two in the morning on January 3rd, there was a 911 call placed for the Fletcher home. Sheila called the emergency line when she got up in the middle of the night and found her daughter, Lacey, not breathing. She explained to the operator that she suffered from medical conditions as well as a developmental disorder, but was unsure exactly what had happened. EMT, I, I, you know, I would kind of handle it the same way. You know, certainly if I discovered someone, anyone in my house, I would say all the medical history that needed to be said, I'd be like, she's allergic yeah, to this. She's totally. got this. She's got that. Cause you just never know. Yeah. And I feel like we should also mention, we kind of jumped ahead in the timeline here. She is around 36 years old at this point, yeah. obviously. So thank you for doing the math. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, you know, we were kind of talking about her as a child and then we just kind of jumped into, to more recent she's, times. She's our age now. She's yeah, our age but now, she, but needs help and probably exactly. still lives at home. That was my so point. That, that is why she's she's there. So there you go. Immediately upon entering the house, um, sorry, the EMTs sort of raced home. Yep. Nothing could have prepared them, however, for what they were walking into. Mm. Immediately upon entering the house, the attending EMTs noticed a horrific order of feces, urine, decay, as if this was sort of left just she was just left to kind of rot. Okay. Yeah. They struggled to hold their breath as they entered the home to find their patient. I hate to say this, but do you remember there was somebody at CrimeCon one year? I want to say they were maybe like, yeah, like the investigation unit or like crime scene unit or whatever. And they're like, yeah, the smell of death. We all know what it smells like. It's hard yeah. to explain yeah. what it is, but when you know it, you know it. And I just think about these people responding here. Well, I remember in, um, in, uh, remember when Dahmer came out, the monster Dahmer, mm -hmm. um, what's his name? Ryan, uh, Ryan, um, who does American Murphy. Horror Story? Ryan, Ryan Murphy. Murphy came out with mm -hmm. Dahmer, um, and it was really big. And in one of the Dahmer episodes, you know, Dahmer's sitting there, he's got caught, he's with the police or whatever, and um, they were talking about like the horrific smell that's kind of coming from his apartment, obviously, because he had like acid and skulls and shit. And you know, that's it's right. like, and the cops are essentially the investigators are kind of like, you know, human beings are bred to find the rottenness of other human beings this horrific smell because like that's oh. how we are evolutionarily wired and uh, and Dahmer goes well not everyone you know because obviously Dahmer mm. was not that way and obviously that's right. he was wired yeah. differently you know and not his fault necessarily but his responsibility and uh you know I think about that often about yeah. how we're kind of like evolutionarily yeah. wired like I've never smell I mean I've seen dead people but I've never like smelled like rotting flesh but I, I imagine that I we would either. know the smell Ew, probably maybe we would but it's maybe just it would. is terrifying to kind of think about and then again we did live in New York City for so long I'm sure we smelled it at some point and didn't know you know what I mean it's New York City you yeah. know what I mean I hate to say well, it but it's true on the on the couch sat Lacey both feet crossed underneath her mm. she wasn't breathing she was severely dehydrated malnourished and was covered from head to toe in her Ugh. own filth again this woman is 36 years old at this point she was naked from the waist down and after lying in her own feces 
She obviously, you know, you can't just sit in your own poop, which is why we clean it off from babies really quickly. She developed ulcers or bed sores. You have to move around during the day. Otherwise, you know, your blood needs to circulate, which caused her skin to fuse with the sofa leather over time. Good Lord. And that means she wasn't moving at all. Right. Like she must. It wasn't like, oh, well, I forgot she... to get up from bed today. This is long periods of time where yeah. skin would fuse with the sofa. Okay. So, so this is horrendous. Now, some ulcers were so deep that it left her bone and muscle tissue completely exposed as the flesh had seemingly rotted away. This is a horrible story. She was described by the attending EMTs as having melted into the couch. Can you imagine this? I mean, this really is, disturbing details. This, yeah. is, this is what yeah, we're I mean, talking this is about, guys. Worse than Dahmer. This is, this is, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. Only because she was found with her parents. And I'm curious right now where we are in the story. The parents find, or the mom finds her not breathing. She calls the police. What the fuck are you thinking they're well, going to walk into? Right. If You know, I think, I think we probably what can guess. What is the thought process? It sounds to me that, well, first of all, it's very clear by this description that this woman has been laying here and decomposing for quite a long time. So Right. And we're not we'll talking about that. a week here. I mean, right. And I'm just saying at this point in the story, I'm like, what are the parents like? Yeah, what do they think the EMTs are going to do? Like, right. oh, what, what then, happened then, here this, today? Like, obviously, they clearly had mental illness or something well, like that's, that. But that could be it. Yeah, you know, obviously, her hair had been unkempt, resulting in large mats where decay and decomposition was clearly happening. Just a horrendous, horrific, tragic sight. Well, get this: it appeared as if she had been laying on the couch, unmoved and uncleaned. For what seemed like a decade. Exactly. Like this she, is, I mean, exactly. a decade would cause your skin to develop well, into the couch, melted into the couch. I mean, I can't even fucking imagine it's this. It's horrible to think of. She was pronounced dead on arrival at the age of 36. And when Lacey's body was removed from the couch, it left a large hole full of years worth of decay and bodily fluids. I'm actually shocked. That she could have lived, and I live—I use lived very loosely here because I'm not mm -hmm. sure this is much of a life, for a decade. Like, I'm actually yeah. shocked that the body would would not have caused yeah. its own well, kind yeah, of, right. like, sitting in your own urine and feces for this long, yeah. caused some sort of illness to happen and cause death. So yeah, of course. Th that's wild to me. The couch had been turned into a latrine, collecting her fluids underneath as she sat unmoved on the couch above. No no details yet, just yet about what exactly happened, but we're going to get to those. Yeah. Yeah. The floorboards, get this, under the couch were so covered in excrement that by the time the professionals were viewing the scene, the wood had completely decomposed into the foundation of the home. So it almost sounds like, I mean, I know that we're talking about potentially her being dead for 10 years in this situation, but it's like... If actually the wood from the floorboards under the couch is decomposing, I mean, this sounds like longer than even 10 years, you know? You know what this makes me think? Did you ever see the movie Seven? Mm, I don't think I ever did see it. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, wow. It's so good. Well, you know, it's about a serial killer played by Kevin yep. Spacey yep. who uh, kills people with seven deadly sins. And one of them is... There's glutton and then there's whatever the Sedley doesn't is, but it's kind yeah. of like laziness or whatever. Sure. And the body, you know, how they had made it up was just like on this bed. Oh, I have seen this now that yeah, you're saying Yeah, like yes. decomposing and yeah. it's just horrible. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's a great movie, but just yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's a sad reality of these types of uh, stories, unfortunately. Well, upon viewing the utterly horrific living conditions that Lacey was left in, it became clear to officials that this was a case of extreme neglect and medical abuse. 
And this was later actually listed as her cause of death, which I think is a really important factor uh, fact about this case. The attending coroner, Dr. Bickham, is quoted saying he was unable to eat for nearly a week after attending Mm. the scene and would cry profusely thinking about the immense pain that this young woman must have experienced. And, you know, we, we never really talk about medical professionals who have to deal with this type of stuff. You know, going to the hospital for some sickness or illness and then dying in a hospital, that's a very different scenario than a doctor or a coroner in this case, who's also a doctor, having to go to the scene or make an identification or, or God, you know, sadly and tragically have to work on the body to figure out what exactly totally. happened. I mean, that has a mental, that has to be a mental struggle in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, one of the things Darren and I get taught or get asked about sometimes from people that are very empathetic is how do you talk about crime and murder so often? And the question that I, or the answer that I always seem to give and Darren, feel free to weigh in however you would, you feel is that, yes, these are really horrific scenes, but <clears throat> if it gives motivation to bring justice to the world or if by some grace of God, like somebody connected to a case can help solve a murder, like there's so many other positives that come out of this stuff that can help bring closure to the people that are affected, that it really helps. So I, the only reason I'm mentioning this is like, I hope that doctors and coroners who have to put themselves in these positions can feel some sort of, you know, silver lining in that situation. No, I, I mean, of course. I mean, I think about like, you know, trauma doctors yes. and stuff like that, emergency medicine doctors. And, you know, for me, it's also like, I think obviously being able to sit in our comfortable apartments, being able to read this, like while it's hard and tragic, like having that distance does help kind of talking about it, of course. Yeah. Like, but I mean, it can't get easier. Like watching yeah. something like this, even if you have a 40 years as a homicide detective, right uh this is just how yeah this is just sheer torture you can never get used to it and it's it's the human condition right so there you go well to to continue on here with this horrific scene and situation from the state of her infections and wounds it was estimated that she had been living under this mistreatment from as early as 2010 that's 12 years because remember the call came in january 3rd 2022 right and so it's that's 12 years. I mean, you know, give or take a few years, but regardless, I mean, yeah. sitting then in that tender treatment for a day, let alone 12 right. years. So for 12 years, Lacey sat on this couch until her ulcers resulted in a multitude of bacterial infections. Like you were just kind of mentioning earlier, Darren, acute starvation, ulcer formation, and a deadly bone infection known as osteomyelitis were given as the reason for the sepsis infection, which ultimately claimed Lacey's life, which is which is what I was talking about of just how your body would eat itself. You know, like it's the the acid and causing sepsis would just be terrible, terrible way to go. Well, it was also found, if you can believe this, that she was positive for COVID-19 at the time of her death, as if this wasn't horrible enough and had been severely emaciated, weighing in at only 96 pounds. Sheila and Clay, you know, her parents claimed that Lacey suffered from something called locked in syndrome in which they say she was completely paralyzed except for her eyes. 
She had no medical documents between the ages of 16 and 36 and had no formal diagnosis of any type of paralysis. Right. Because you'd think like if she is going to get diagnosed with this locked in syndrome, which might be something, wouldn't you take her to a health facility? Of course. Parents to like, you know, have something, you know, people, people who are in comas don't breathe on their own. People who are paralyzed can't breathe on their own. So they put them on machines that are do it for them. You'd think that she would be in something like that. There would be some sort of medical record about that. But again, these people are deeply religious, very strict. Something's going on here. We're about to, I feel like we're about to get to those details. The coroner denies this diagnosis and claims that in his 30 year career, he had never heard that term used anywhere. <laughs> and neither had I. Right. Or, uh, or not myself that that means or any anything, of you. but yeah, locked yeah. in syndrome doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, although it kind of does track. With what you'd think well, being a quadriplegic would be. But listen, if there's one thing I've learned in the in more recent years, maybe because of Facebook and stuff, is that people will come up with their own syndromes, their own yeah. diagnoses, their own disorders, and claim that they suffer from them. I mean, I see it on my Facebook, just to be completely honest with you. It's very strange to me. And I and I I want to kind of give a live update of when we're reading this case of what I'm thinking about at this point in the case. Um, and we're going to get to obviously the end. But in my mind, I'm thinking, what if her being diagnosed with Asperger's, especially at a young age and having like being on the autism spectrum, her deeply religious parents thought that she she needed an exorcism or was like possessed oh, by the devil and put her on this be. couch, you know, and this is the deep south right after all. Yeah. Slaughter, you know? Louisiana. So. Clay and Sheila claimed that they had gone to visit a doctor to get advice on how to help Lacey back in 2010 as they were worried about her reclusive behavior. Again, they claimed this. Now, she had been refusing to leave the house more and more, and her social anxiety had just completely taken over her life. The doctor suggested that they take Lacey to a hospital to seek help, but she was never admitted, which is very curious here. This is all sounding very sus to me, but let's keep Very going. sus. Are you kidding? <laughs> Now, Sheila also told investigators that at one point, her and Clay had discussed getting Lacey sanctioned so she would be forced to go to the hospital, but their daughter's anxiety made them decide against it. I'm not even 100% I don't sure what that I'm means. not sure I believe that. Lots of weird Clay. research here. I don't, I, don't, I don't like where this is going, at least. Now, in interviews with the police, Sheila told investigators that her daughter was a perfectly sound mind and chose to live in the condition she did. Mm, not believe in that either. Sounds like not a bunch of lies that to that me. That would make sense of being perfectly sound mind and choosing to live in the conditions. Now, I do believe we own our bodies, so I do believe that people are allowed to kind of live how they want to live. But this doesn't seem like something any sound-minded person well, would probably choose. You know, and we talked about the human instinct, right? Like, I feel at some point your human instinct would kick in in this scenario, given now how abuse it sounds like abuse was happening you know i I don't know maybe i'm wrong i don't want to speak for anybody but it just that's just my thought well sheila's saying you know she routinely would clean Lacey's ulcers bodily ways because her daughter refused to leave the living room although what the coroner found was clearly not something that had been cleaned up right there's a lie right there but when asked why Lacey had not been to a doctor Sheila said it was because she had never been sick in the first place and that she'd been doing rather well up until the very end i mean the fact that these people can claim this, knowing the sight that they saw, is like right. they are not of sound mind, right. which I think is obvious. I'm thinking that too. Right. Case here, so she, so well that so she had been rather well up until the very end, and so well in fact that Sheila and Clay had taken a weekend trip to only days before Lacey's death 
But the stories weren't adding up, as John and I are saying here. Sheila insisted that her daughter wasn't sick and yet still admitted to having sought medical help on her behalf. So again, why are they going to go get her, you know, advice from a doctor, but claiming that she had been super well up until the time of her death? That would be, that's a contradiction. Yeah, none of this is adding up. She claimed her daughter was unable to move anything besides her eyes and still felt comfortable leaving her alone while she went on a three-day trip. Now, right, not only that, but she claims that she was unable to move anything besides her eyes, so therefore she chose to stay (laughs) on the couch. How would that also be true? Quadriplegics aren't like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to stay here for right now, and when I want to move my limbs, I'm going to move my limbs. Not that this, yeah. This is so absurd to me. And not that this is the same thing, but I'm just thinking about Magic, who if you're watching on the Sussy Radish feed, you can see him behind me in three different photos. You know, I leave town for a couple days and I'm freaked out about my cat being able to eat and drink. Like you well, can't you expect because that... you can't leave a perfect thing like that. Well, that's true. Well, I He's never usually leave him alone. Me. I never can. leave him alone for that long. But you know, and and he's not, and I'm not trying to make a joke here, and he's not even paralyzed. So like, how do you expect that this person would literally eat or drink or feed themselves at the very exactly. least? Anyway, investigators were not convinced that Sheila and Clay had been innocent bystanders in their daughter's demise, uh, but chose to wait on the autopsy results before formally pressing charges. Now, when the autopsy arrived in March, it was then undeniable that Lacey had died as a direct result of her parents' neglect. I mean, thank God they have that in writing and the proof, but like, I mean, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) While Sheila and and Clay were arrested in association with their daughter's death, this does have a little bit of a reminiscence to the Natalia Grace story, given that, you know, that nobody died there. She was unable to reach. Yeah, she was unable to reach certain counters or bathe herself or do those certain things. And she was left at nine years old, potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that. So So go back and listen to those episodes if you'd like to hear what we think about those. While the couple appeared in front of a grand jury of 12 who looked over the evidence of the case... The photos and videos shown of the scene were so disturbing and so graphic that the court chose to have an EMT on standby in case someone were to faint or get sick. Because listen, even the story, even the details that we're telling you here on the show today are a lot for both of us to get through. Imagine being a part of that grand jury and having to see photos and and detailed uh, descriptions of the crime scene. Well, the silence in the courtroom was described as palpable as the jury looked on in horror at the slideshow of photographs depicting Lacey's living conditions. Mm. So not even just, you know, her and the body, but just everything that was around her, the situation. After seeing the evidence, the jury decided that Sheila and Clay should both face charges of second degree murder rather than the initial charge of manslaughter. Now, in Louisiana, this charge upholds a mandatory life sentence without parole if convicted. Well, less than 24 hours after learning of their new charges, they were granted bail. Sheila posted bail for $300,000 on May 3rd. By the way, been doing tons of true crime stuff my whole career. I still am not really sure how bails work like this, but we'll figure that out. We should get a professional on here to explain it. And uh, Clay followed suit the following day. He also posted bail. So shortly after being released, the Fletcher family lawyer released an official statement on their behalf, claiming they did not want to relive the pain of losing their child through the media. Sure, of course not. Of course not. And that any parent who has lost a child understands what they are going through. So what a lawyerly statement. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing here. Now, Clay and Sheila 
have since been free as they await their trial, which was set to begin of June of 2023, not long ago. However, on May 8th, their defense attorney filed a motion to dismiss the charges based on some indiscretions between paperwork that had been filed. The language in the paperwork filed to the state did not match that given to the prosecution and defense teams. And some patients, some papers, excuse me, were missing crucial signatures. Messy. On May 30th, the charges were thrown out due to the inconsistency, but the DA has assured the public they still intend to seek second-degree murder charges. Sheila and Clay were indicted and arrested for a second time (laughs) on June 19th and once again posted bail shortly after. This is just weeks ago, by the way, just to be clear here. Just weeks ago. They are currently awaiting trial, which the DA has estimated to begin in the fall of this year, 2023. The Fletchers have refused to make any public statements since their initial arrest. Yeah, and we have to make sure we say, you know, they are guilty or, excuse me, innocent until proven guilty. Um, You know, I think this does beg the question, you know, what responsibility do parents have to a 36-year-old person who seems to be incapable of of maintaining their own health? I mean, this is the exact conversation we were having with Natalia Grace. Right. Right, exactly. So. You know, charges have been pressed, but they have not been convicted of anything. We have to make sure that's very clear as we talk about this. But, you know, this is the de- these are the details that we have. And I think, you know, I'm looking you can- on New York Post articles right now of this yeah. and it's just like looking at these parents, it's like, yeah, I can't even like I just can't. And I know that they're innocent until proven guilty, but like I'm looking oh. at the couch. They have a picture of the couch. Oh, dear. I don't like- even want to see that. Oh, well, you guys, God, dude, you guys oh, can God. look up the visuals. We are a visual only in face podcast on Patreon, but um, let us know what you think about this week's episode and what details you might've seen in the press and out there in the world in the New York post. You can hit us up at Jay Thrasher at John oh <laughs> at Carpe God. Darren hit us up in the Facebook group and on our, and on our Patreon page. I this can't really speak. threw me for a loop. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. You okay. You good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I All am. Right. I just was like reading the article and it's just like, Oh my God. It's a really tragic case. No matter how you, no matter how you review it, but. Anyway, Darren, let's move on to some positive yeah. things here with our listener shout outs. And actually, you know, we did a poll on Patreon, like Darren had mentioned at the top of the show, asking people why they like true crime. You know, we just wanted to know, why do you like true crime? The options were the motivation, the investigation, the killer, or honestly, I don't know, which is fine. Some of us don't know. Or, you know, maybe it was something else that you like, you know, the the something else we haven't thought of and you could leave a comment in the comment section so as of this recording darren it is split evenly 31 percent. 31 percent of our patreon subscribers uh like true crime because of the motive while 31 percent also say it's the investigation it's a good split because i feel yeah. like both make me curious how they would uncover totally a certain thing but also why people do what they do in the human psychology of it so both that's of right those would would kind of track for me. Yeah. Um, Amber on Patreon commented saying, I don't really know why I love it. It's nothing specific, I don't think. I just love the whole thing, the mystery, the intrigue, why they did it, their background, the fight for justice, anger when justice isn't served, etc. It's also fascinating. And, you know, it is hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what it is about that, you know, like. Yeah, Amber what, put that so perfectly. I was she like, really yeah. did. Like, yeah. I really do agree <laughs> with that. I mean, it is, it's kind of like a puzzle that's being solved. Caitlin on Patreon also says, my obsession is the psychology behind the person. What drives a person to do it? How do they get to the point of murder and the idea that they can do it and then act as if nothing happened? Also the idea that you have a killer and like a family on the side, you know? Yeah. 
fascinating. And another thing that I was thinking too, and I commented on this post as well myself, is that, you know, I feel like some of us, and this isn't a bad thing, maybe kind of compare and contrast our own morals with some of these other people. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. could I do that? Could I ever see my neighbor doing that? Could I see my mom? You know, all these different kind of scenarios run through our heads of like, how can you know, what we consider a typical human experience be so drastically different from person to person. Yeah. And how quickly sometimes, you know, like it can change on a dime. That's true too. A person who can be like the most popular in school, you know, gets cheated on by a girl and then everything can twist, you know, like one psychological (laughs) thing like twist. And it's really interesting to kind of see that. And one last thing I want to add too is I've saw I've thought a lot about like the innocence project cases and how people who are just simply innocent folks can land in jail and wrong hopefully case, wrong time. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully be redeemed and released, but that doesn't always happen. And it's like, God, what if that would happen to me or somebody I love? And it does happen to so many people out there and people that they love. And it's just a really horrible situation about our justice system. So lots of things to consider about why we like true crime. You can weigh in on our Patreon polls and have your own responses read on air in a future episode as well. You can join today for as little as $5 a month um, or even cheaper if you sign up for a full year's worth of Patreon. Links are in the show description or you can just go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed and shout out to Patreon for this very cool cat listening to what is clearly our podcast. So, and of course we have to shout out our fearless researcher, Megan, who, I mean, especially with this case, I mean, I'm going to be following this. This was really like, this really fucked me up. So I'm really curious to see with the trial and everything. I'm sure it'll be on the news with everything going down, but one, two, three. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Megan, We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Check your brake pads without pants. Apparently you don't need a penis, something I never do. So here you go. And we'll be back next week with another full episode of Shaken and Disturbed. Bye. Bye.